When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod had died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. He rose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, who ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go back there. And because he was, had been warned in a dream, he departed for the region of Galilee, went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. Merry Christmas, everyone. It is Christmas still. All the way up until Epiphany, we get to celebrate this a little longer. The world's kind of shut down Christmas, but we're still in that Christmas mode, the Christmas spirit, as my grandson would say. Um, and at a time when family has been under attack, probably more so than almost any other time, I think that throughout the ages, though, the family has been under attack. The devil goes after the family. And the reason why the devil goes off after the family is because the family is the image of God's love, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a communion of love. And the family is called to be a communion of love too. So the devil goes after the family to break that communion of love. He's done that from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve. He went after Adam and Eve and separated them from God and then from each other. And then we know the immediate consequences that took place, don't we, in the next generation, seeing that Cain slew his brother Abel. So, the primary attack, the family will always be under attack, and so the family is always going to be in need of redemption. And so what does the church give us? They give us the example of the Holy Family. In our opening prayer today, we prayed that we could follow through the exemplar of all virtues, the Holy Family. And so we look to the Holy Family. No, no one needs to look really any further today to see how much trouble that we're kind of in. Just look at marriage. Marriage now is going down. More couples are preferring to go ahead and just cohabitate because they only see marriage as a piece of paper. That's really sad. And there's lots of factors that I think goes into that. 
And I think that we could look to ourselves for one of those factors. Are we being a good witness of the sacrament? Sacrament is an outward sign of God's love. Are we showing the world that marriage is an outward sacrament, an outward sign of God's love? We do that in the way that that second reading tells us how to do that. By forgiveness, bearing with one another. And, you know, that first reading, we heard a word that is really hard for us modern-day people to hear, subordinate. It's like, oh, man, I hate that word. A lot of women would not choose that reading at a, at a wedding because it sounds so dated almost, right? Well, Paul says in Ephesians that subordination is supposed to be 50-50 deal. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission goes both ways. And a woman is never supposed to submit to anything other than perfect love. So what is a husband called to be? Called to be love. What did Christ do? He said, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. Jesus came to save us. He bathed us, the church, in water by baptism. A husband is supposed to take care of the wife just as like his own body. Anything less than that is not supposed to be submitted to. We submit to Christ because he is perfect love and knows what is best for each one of us. He is, it, we can't change anything that he's given us because he knows what's best for us. There is also a push for in the church even, and it's certainly in the world, for same-sex unions and marriage. We can't rewrite the scriptures. We have to follow what Jesus instructed. Marriage is to be between one man and one woman. That's what marriage is. Outside of that, in the church, it can never be anything other than that. Outside in the world, maybe it can be, but we'll call it a union. And, um, and if, if we speak up on behalf of what Jesus defined as marriage, guess what we're called? Homophobes. And that's not it at all. Actually, the church loves the homosexuals just like he loves you and us. I. Homosexuality is not a sin. It's the sin that the church hates. The church, as Jesus does, loves the sinner but hates the sin. So the act is what is condemned. There's other factors that go into the decline of marriage and for the success of marriage. So half the marriages end in divorce. 50%. In, in the church, it's just as high as it is in, the, in our society. So that means that the church needs to do a better job at preparing couples for the sacrament of holy matrimony. Teaching them about what covenant means and what vocation means. Other factors that go into the decline and also what is for families and society is the internet. 
Pornography is rampant. It's an addiction that has affected families. It has properly affected. It has affected every single person that's here today. Sin is never a private affair. It affects all of us. There's also a, a factor that hurts the family is modernism and relativism. Everything is okay. There's not only a, there's there's even a push for polygamy that's starting to happen in many states and societies across the globe. We see it actually being glamorized on popular television shows. I had to turn some TV shows off myself because it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. But we have to stand up and be different. We can't be, we got to be countercultural. So that's what we're, what do we do? We have to take time to be with one another in your families. Put the cell phones away when you're with one another. Come together and actually be at the dinner table and pray and share and talk about your day. A family is a family that needs lots of grace. We need to have God's grace to help us forgive, as our second reading talked about, forgiving one another. We look to the Holy Family and what do we see? We see obedience to God's will. And just as the Holy Family was to following God's divine plan, we are called to do. And we look to Mary. We look no further than Mary. Her yes, her total fiat. Let it be done to me according to your word. And Joseph, who in the midst of uncertainty, the whole fam holy family was in the midst of uncertainty. What's tomorrow going to bring? He, there was, it was dangerous for him to take Mary as his wife. But Joseph obediently took Mary as his wife. And then he protected them, obediently taking Mary and Jesus and fleeing from, uh, from Herod's threat and then returning back when after Herod's death. Jesus was obedient to Mary and Joseph growing up, growing in wisdom. That teaches us that we should honor our father and our mother, just like our first reading talked about. And, and, um, and he shows us the total obedience, not only to Joseph and Mary, but the obedience that he had to his heavenly father, accepting death, even death on a cross. As I talk to you about family, you may be saying, Deacon, you don't understand. My family has so many problems. And maybe, quite possibly, your situation might have been that you weren't raised in a home of nurturing and love and forgiveness, as we heard about in our second reading. And some of you have been terribly hurt by a family member. I want you to think about this. We're all family. In the church, you have been baptized, born into the family of God. And guess what? As family, we have hurt each other. We need no further to look in the church. We have been hurt by the leaders of our church, of the abuse and, uh, and the scandal that has corrupted our church. But we stay here as a family. Where else would we go? Jesus is the divine healer, and he can heal us, our families, all of our hurts. Maybe we've been hurt by a, 
a child or a spouse that has had a problem with drugs or alcohol or a wandering child. And, you know, this also is a very hard time of year at Christmas time for many of you because you've lost somebody during this time of the year. Somebody is experiencing a tremendous illness and that pain hurts you, especially at this time of year. I just spoke to somebody who said this is the hardest time of year for him. And this time was very hard for the Holy Family. Think about that. That first Christmas was not easy for them. They had no place to stay. Nothing was there at the end. But yet, and Jesus was born in a stable. And he and the dangers that surrounded them, full of uncertainty. But we look to that holy family. Father Cyril, in his homily last week, or, or just a couple days ago, for Christmas, I mean, he gave a wonderful homily. I'd like to just recap just a couple things that he said. This nativity set back here is beautiful. It's over 100 years old. And he talked about how the nativity set came to us over 100 years old, a little chipped and damaged and broken in some pieces. And then the child Jesus is perfect. He was the only thing that wasn't damaged. And they're all looking at Jesus. Jesus is the center. You know, we're like that nativity set, he said. We're all broken. Our families are broken. We are all hurting in some different way. But we come to Jesus, who is the divine healer. And we can learn from, as Father so pointed out at Christmas, keeping Jesus in the center of our family, we will never fail. So let's receive Jesus now, bringing all of our brokenness to the divine healer and asking him to be the center of our families.